Hey, uh, it's uh, it's our pleasure to have on uh, here on the Full Court Press. We're going to talk some NBA draft with this guy. He's one of the best in the business, if not the best in the business, and you're keeping up to date with the college athlete, college basketball guys. And with the NBA draft, you can find him on The Athletic. Uh, and if I butcher your last name, it is not my fault, Sam, so please forgive me. Don't scream at me. Uh, but Sam Ficini of The Athletic here, uh, he has an updated 2020 draft, big uh, big board. Uh, you can find that on The Athletic. It's current 100 uh, current top 100 players on the list. Uh, Sam, my man, thanks for joining us here. You could not have gotten my name more right. You absolutely you, nailed it. Man. Wait, 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 wait. Are you being nice because you're on our show, or are you being dead serious? I can't figure it out. Dead serious. You killed it. <laughs> I've been working on it for three hours uh, while I was driving Love around it. today. So, uh, yeah, I've been working on it. Uh, Sam, thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Great to have you. Let's start here. Uh, this draft board, when they look at last year's and the hype of uh, of uh, R.J. Barrett, uh, was, it, was, it, was it Morant, right? from uh, Ja Morant. Ja Morant, thank you. Uh, and then you had Zion Williamson. The draft board looked much more sexier than it does this year. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah, last year's draft. Uh, this year's draft is not even pale in comparison to last year's draft. I don't even think it's, I don't even think it's in the same ballpark. It's uh, not that this is like a terrible draft or anything. Last year was just a pretty good draft. And, you know, this year features a lot of players that are not necessarily household names, guys that are not hyper elite level talents, you know, guys that you might have been able to get. 10th, 11th overall last year. Uh, you know, similar level players might have gone fifth overall this year, right? So uh, I think that this year's draft is a little bit weaker, but you know, I think the teams are you know tasked with mining talent uh, every way that they can, and uh, you know, I think that. Uh, they'll figure out a way to go about it this year as well. Is the is the hype? Is that because of the not the lack of the NCAA tournament, or would that have been the case even if we had had the tournament? No, even if we had the tournament, this draft was shaping up to be uh, one of the weaker ones uh, that we've seen in a while. It's definitely the weakest one since the 2013 draft. And, you know, like I said, in the 2013 draft, you ended up being able to get Giannis Antetokounmpo at 15, and Rudy Gobert went uh, 27th overall, and C.J. McCollum went 10th overall. Like, in every draft, you're going to be able to find guys that contribute and far exceed their draft slot, but... Uh, to me, the strength of a draft is not only in, uh, you know, in terms of how good the players are, but in terms of how reasonably you can identify who the great players are going to be in a draft. And uh, I think at the end of the day, this draft is a little bit, a uh, little bit underwhelming, is the way to put it. In terms of the uh, evaluation process. I feel like in baseball, we saw at least early on in the first round, you saw teams lean towards the upperclassmen because obviously the spring sports didn't get to play very much. In basketball, I feel like teams historically favor potential. Has the pandemic done anything to change the preparation? Has that boosted upperclassmen in terms of having more tape, seeing more of them, or is it still going to be leaning hard on potential, you think, in terms of evaluation? I mean, look, underclassmen are always going to be uh, more valued, if only because uh, it's very rare for a real NBA draft prospect to get to the point that he's a senior without having left already, right? Uh, it's just the reality of the NBA draft. I think that the best way I can answer that question is that the 
the players whose performances show best on tape and whose play on the court this season was high level and at the highest level, I think those are the guys who are going to come away from this process having been uh, the most successful through this pre-draft process. Because like you said, uh, most of what teams have access to right now is just tape and what the guys are doing on the floor uh, and what they did on the floor this season. They can't really see see these players work out right now. They can't get video highlights of them working out. They really only can talk to them for a couple of hours through the process. So uh, at the end of the day, I do believe that the guys whose tape shows best and showed best this season are the ones who will tend to rise up the draft board. Sam, you have Sam Merrill at uh, 71, but you have Malachi Flynn from San Diego State at 37. Why such the big gap between the two guards? I'll, I'll be honest. I have uh, Sam Merrill at 50. Um, okay. Yeah, he's he's jumped up a pretty real amount. Uh, Malachi is a little bit younger. I actually have Malachi at 33, so there is still a pretty real gap. Uh, Malachi is a little bit better of a playmaker. I think he's a little bit better uh, creating his shot. Sam Merrill's obviously a better shot maker than Malachi Flynn. I think there's a case that Sam Merrill is the best shooter in this draft class. Uh, Malachi is also a high-level defender. Not to say that Sam Merrill is a bad defender at the college level. He actually started to take on some really difficult assignments throughout uh, his senior season particularly. But uh, I do think Malachi is the better anticipatory defender. He's better in help situations. He's a little bit grittier on ball. And just as a passer and a playmaker, I think Malachi's role is just tailor-made for the next level as kind of a backup point guard type that can be a floor general. There are a lot of teams that really see a lot of comparisons to someone like a Fred Van Vliet and Malachi Flynn. Uh, Just the toughness, the hooper gene that he seems to have, uh, the way that he really, really just gives his effort on both ends. There's a lot to like, but look, there's a lot to like about Sam Merrill's shot-making ability as well. He's uh, one of the best shooters coming off of screens in this draft, one of the best off-movement shooters in general in this draft, and I think he's a little bit underrated in pick and roll. Uh, at the end of the day, I do think both of these guys are going to get drafted. The NBA uh, has informed teams of a second window for players to enter the 2020 NBA draft until August 17th. How much of the effect will that have in players dropping out of the draft and going into the draft? Um, I don't think it'll really have much of an effect on guys dropping out of the draft. I'll just be honest with you. We've never had a uh, window like this before, so it's really difficult for me to even wrap my head around what this <laughs> is going to look like. Uh, do I think it's possible that some guys get cold feet about there being a college season and decide to just start their pro careers now? Sure. I think that's plausible. Uh, do I think there's a chance that nobody, uh, really changes their mind and, you know, the decision they made back in March is going to be the decision that they, uh, decide to stick with. Sure. I think that's like totally possible. It's just really hard for me to even, uh, begin to speculate just because uh, you know it's the guys that wanted to go it seems like they want to go but uh, we've just never seen something like this before so I, I it, anything that I do would be totally speculative and not really based on substance you know what I mean 
In in terms of uh, some of the top players going to the G League, a few of them, what do you, what do you make of that? Is that something that's going to catch on, or is that going to force the discussion between the NBA and college basketball about the uh, high school eligibility rule? At the high school level, you mean? Um, yes. Yeah, no, I think that it's been a long time coming, first and foremost. I think that in many ways it's a response to the fact that there hasn't been a ton of progress made on the end of the one-and-done rule, uh, just in terms of you know bargaining and creating an amendment to the current collective bargaining agreement that would allow high school players to enter the draft or that would upend the current rules. Now, do I think that this is something that's going to become more prevalent? I would say it'll probably be between four and seven guys every year that decide to make this leap. I don't know that I'm at the point where I think it's going to be a ton more prevalent than that. It's only because I am still a little bit skeptical on the financial model for this whole thing for the G league. How are they getting funding to do this? Is this just like a total write-off for NBA teams? And if it's, you know, something that each NBA team has to decide to kick in something like, uh, you know, a million dollars, to get this thing off the ground or, you know, kick in $500,000 to get this thing off the ground. Is that something that NBA teams are really going to be interested in? I'm not quite as sure that that's the case, to be honest. So uh, I think that it remains to be seen how it affects things, but uh, I would venture we're going to be in a pretty similar boat to the uh, situation we've been in in the past where guys like Lamelo Ball, RJ Hampton, et cetera, are going to, uh, want to try and find a professional route. Uh, guys that aren't interested in going to college will try and find a professional route. But uh, a lot of players do still really want to play in college, and I think that that will uh, that will continue to bear itself out as well. With the with the, some of those top high school players going to the G League, in terms of the evaluation process, which way, in your opinion, benefits the uh, NBA? GMs more? Is it seeing these one and dones who are probably going to go to the programs like the Dukes and Kentuckys with very good coaches, or is it seeing them go to the G League where they work with uh, potentially some NBA quality staff? And obviously, I think there's maybe a little bit more access to them. Which would be more beneficial in terms of NBA execs with the choice uh, those top high school recruits would pick? Yeah, from a scouting perspective, it's unquestionable that I think scouts would prefer they go to college if only because you get a very real sample of them uh, playing, in most cases, highly competitive games and seeing you know what these players are made of in those situations. Um, not to say that there aren't advantages to the G League's program, but I do believe that scouts would prefer getting as much information as what these players are are made of and what they are capable of in competitive settings that they maybe haven't seen before uh, with competition levels that they maybe haven't been uh, exposed to before. I definitely believe that uh, most scouts would prefer to see them in the most competitive atmosphere possible, which currently is the college atmosphere. Sam Vecini of The Athletic does an incredible job of keeping up with college basketball and has a great 100-board uh, or 
I guess, NBA draft big board of players. Uh, I want to go back to Sam Merrill quickly, and I might have just missed this, and if I did, forgive me. Who was the one NBA player that you could see Sam Merrill being similar to as of in his playing style? Oh, man. Um, no, you didn't miss it. I didn't really say it. Um, <laughs> I would say, I mean, like, the, the idea here is someone like a Joe Harris, at, you know, with Brooklyn, right? Guy who comes in, just an elite-level shooter who's ready to play you know, by year two, year three of his career and um, can provide value. In Sam's case, Sam's already 24, so I would hope that uh, most NBA teams are hoping that he can make an impact earlier rather than later. But, yeah, I think the idea here is a, you know, simple by-the-book floor spacer who runs off a screen uh, and knocks down shots from distance. I know you keep a good eye on these college athletes or college basketball players. Demiush Keta is staying for his junior season here at Utah State. Where could you see him in a year if he can have a season where he's 100% healthy, plays all his games, and maybe even makes the NCAA tournament? Could you still see him being one of those top 15 picks that everyone's kind of thinking he'd be after his freshman year? Yeah, and you know, Nini's really interesting because uh, he just didn't get a clean runway this past offseason with injury after the knee injury while he's playing with Portugal. No one's ever really thought Anini is like a top 15 pick, uh, at least in NBA circles. He went to the NBA draft combine last year and just wasn't particularly close to the level he needed to be at. Uh, you know, Taco Fall, who's currently on a two-way contract with Boston, really handled him quite easily, unfortunately. Uh, you know, he's a guy that you could see end up you know, somewhere in the second round at some point. He's certainly an awesome defensive player. Uh, you know, really shuts down the paint inside their numbers uh, with him on the floor versus when he's off the floor. There's a tangible drastic difference in his impact as a rebounder, as a rim protector. Uh, offensively, he's really just going to have to get to the point where he's knocking down shots from the perimeter and to the point where he is not turning the ball over at the level that he did this year, unfortunately. Uh, for his usage rate, he was just far too turnover prone. He's kind of a sneaky, interesting passer, but I think he's still figuring out how to make decisions on the fly a little bit. Um, you know, overall, I, I think he's going to be a guy that gets interest in the second round at some point, but probably uh, I think that that's what you're looking at, more of a second-round pick than a likely first-round pick. I forgot to ask you this one last question here. What team would Sam Merrill fit the best on? Oh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I think that a lot of teams could really use a guy like him that can space it. I would say Philadelphia mm. uh, maybe needs him the most. They need someone that can really, uh, you know, sprint off the of screens and, you know, take the occasional pick and roll as a secondary uh, playmaker in the half court and uh, knock down shots. So, you know, maybe maybe I would say Philadelphia fits. Uh, fits really well from a roster standpoint. And they obviously have some experience with this coaching staff uh, back when J.J. Redick was on the team before he decided to move to New Orleans in terms of how to get the best out of these guys that can really just sprint off the screen. Sam, really, really good stuff for you. Thank you so much for your time. Let's do it again closer Thanks, to Sam. the NBA draft. Sounds great, guys. Thanks.